comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron Abe, we're talking double feature, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Kingsman, The Secret Service. More bang for your buck? I think so. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, good evening! Out Now is a film podcast. David and I discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 180-180. We did it! My God. Well, it's not 200, but I mean, we did it! It's been happening. I mean, yeah, it's, it's happening. As long as we keep on moving forward, yeah. It's a perfect number, too, because this week we're talking Kingsman, The Secret Service, and then we're doing a whole, that's right, 180, to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> See how that worked? It worked. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. And joining yeah. us tonight, I think he joined, what was the, what episode was he on when we first, what, 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 Abe, what do you think? Probably, I, I want to say. I, well, it was before Captain America, so I think it's like episode like 19 or 18 of this show. Oh, was he it? Okay. For Harry, first, po- Harry first. Potter and the, and the D. Halls. Yeah, that was he my had, first one. Me too. It was like your seventh or eighth podcast. It was, it was like eighteen or nineteen at that point. It was because it was, I know Captain America. That was like number twenty. That was like yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was the week after Captain America came out. The week after Harry it was twenty one. There you go. Boom. Blackjack. What, a, what, a, what an amazing way to like start because that's when we start started getting on iTunes and the HHWLOD. What? Well, yeah, we had the huge, huge guest on <laughs> to really follow up on the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who is this man? Well, he's from Forbes. His code name is Uter Pendragon. It's Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure to be back. Always a Uter Pendragon. Uter Pendragon. Mm, I like that. Get your Knights of the Round Table references ready. Okay. Mm. I was at Medieval there. Times this afternoon. There, you see, I nailed oh, it. I, 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 I nailed this one. You're all into it. <laughs> and my daughter made a conscientious choice to not cheer for the red and yellow knight. That was our table. Is that your table? Yes, because she didn't want the knight to become full of himself. <laughs> well, she's got a good head. The knight was killed instantly. Boom. No. Who won? Was it the green knight? Uh, it, is, it always, is it always the green knight? Because <laughs> we went once before I had kids like eight years ago and the green knight won. Was it actually is the it green a, knight? Yes, it was wow. the green knight. I nailed that one. I've only been there once and the red and yellow knight won. So oh, okay. I, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that lemon herb chicken, by the way, delicious. I don't, yeah, you go hungry there. No, yeah, they, yeah, you get plenty of grog and grub. So. And Sprite. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, trying to good remember, times. I'm trying to remember what night won when we were there. I don't know what night won, but we do have this epic picture that was so good that we made them change the display to use our picture for when people see the picture. <laughs> so when it's, Because it was so good, it's like, this is what picture you could be taking if you get a picture. Like That's that's how good our picture was. Anyway, was I need to go picture. discover this picture. I gotta, right? I'll, find, I'll find yeah, it. You and need I'll, to put I'll, this I'll up put somewhere. In, if I can put it in the show notes, I will. Yeah, um, I'm looking at it right now because it's in front of me. <laughs> but, um, oh, okay. Anyway, what are we talking about? Movies, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we have Scott Meadows in here. We're going to talk about The Kingsman and Fifty Shades of Grey. Big show, pack show. Uh, before we get into the show, let's do some uh, sh- some show note stuff here first. First up, contest. I announced this last week that we'll be doing one, but this week we are doing one. Um, it's an Oscar contest. Uh, next week is the Oscars, next Sunday to be exact, uh, from the time of this recording, this 20... Um, 
No, it's the first. It's the first of March, right? Is that right? What day is it? No, it's the fifteenth. It's the twenty second. I'm way. I'm yeah. jumping ahead a week. The twenty second of February is the Oscars next week. That Sunday, and um, our contest is pretty simple. We want you guys to predict what you think will win the Oscars. Not what you think should win, but will win. And I'm not going to do all of them. You don't have to do all categories. Just the writing, acting, and directing, and picture. So adapted and original screenplays, all of the acting categories, the director, and best picture. Earth to Echo. Earth to Echo. <laughs> Earth to Echo, right. <laughs> so if you, if you predict all of those correctly or the person that gets the most the most the highest percentage. The highest yeah, percentage. the highest percentage. Uh, email us what you think will win the Oscars next week at gmail, outnowpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, whoever wins will get a lovely prize. I got plenty of Blu-rays and all kinds of little swag. And also, if you email in early, I'm basically going to steal your answers for our own show. So yeah, because Abe, Abe is terrible at this. So. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty bad at it. I'm I'm not going to lie. Speaking of which, so. we do have our prediction show coming. We will be recording a bonus episode this week where we, as in Abe, myself, friend of the show, Mark Hoban, and I believe Kevin Taft, um, who's I've been wanting to get back on the show for a while. KT now. himself. Yeah, we're gonna all be recording. We're gonna be uh, laying down our thoughts on what we think will win the Oscars this coming Sunday, which of course becomes a friendly competition between us, where we will just show vote to no end against everyone that lost. Best animated short is gonna kill me. I swear. Dracula Untold for the sweep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> for the sweep. So yeah, there's a reason they put it in IMAX, right, Scott? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, so. All that being said, that's what's happening. Last thing, show uh, iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. It helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you log into iTunes, search out now, and you'll probably just find it right there. You'll get our show. Look it up. Click on it. Add us a little star rating and maybe even write a sentence or two, and uh, that'd be great. That'd be really helpful for, you know, us, <laughs> which, would be, yeah. which would be wonderful. Thank you beforehand. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that's that so let's move on to know everybody where each week we ask each other a couple questions here and better get to know everybody, know everybody. and um hey why don't you start sure if you guys had a uh, a mentor to help you be a spy who would you want to have would he have to be like physically able to do things or just would he just like talk at you uh i mean i guess both because colin firth he does he's a he did some action, and he's also a pretty intelligent guy. I mean, like most mentor figures, tend to be a little, you know, able in a fight. I well, they're, they're also a little bit older, so they don't fight as much, right? So they just have the wisdom on their side. Did you see Attack of the Clones, Abe? Yoda was going crazy. <laughs> he's only a thousand and seven years old. That's pretty young. Let's see. Compare it. He's a pretty terrible mentor in those films. <laughs> I mean, if speaking you, in rhymes all the time. If you spoke his language, I feel like if you if you got his rhythm of speech down, you'd probably be good to go. <laughs> Yoda, my wife and unborn children are going to die. What do I do? Eh, it happens. Be one with the force. It's That's than, not helpful. It's better than Obi Wan, who doesn't even own up to lying. There's that. Yes. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> let's see. So, uh, I'm trying to think. So, so I feel like someone that doesn't normally have a beard but now has a beard. That's on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> James Harden? James Harden. The NBA's James Harden. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster? Jo- Jodie Foster. There you go. All right. Is she due for one of those roles? Uh, could be. That'd be the neat. The Beaver, too. <laughs> Still beaving? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> She's going to grow a beard. I'll take video game Russell Crowe. How about that? Video game Russell Crowe? Yeah, for Man of Steel. Oh, oh, for Man of Steel. Oh, interesting. Right, yes. I mean, he's literally, like, pointing you in the right direction. He's that like, is, he's shoot like, there, shoot there. <laughs> he knows exactly what's going to happen, like, 30 years before it's going like, to happen. Like, he was crushing it on that ship. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Pretty, that's a pretty good answer. I think so. Uh, my question here. What nice outfit, accessory, and weapon do you put together? Pigs would have mm. knives with, you know, shoes with knives in them and umbrellas that do all kinds of things. What kind of accessory item would you pair with a weapon? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, I'd have to go with the... Uh... The cummerbund full of uh, chloroform. The old cummerbund full of chloroform, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, as in you take off the cummerbund and like put it on someone's face. And put it on someone's face, okay. yeah. And you're just like, Ugh. One of those. <laughs> Struggle. And then people will think that, oh, you know, that's a really nice outfit you have on. Little do they know that they're going to go to sleep. I would say really any weapon, you know, tranquilizer, dart, gun, knife, whatever, in a smartphone. Because everyone carries them and they're they're completely conspicuous. I, I'm I'm going with um the uh, the old uh, cufflink glitter bomb. The cufflink glitter you can never get that out. I, yeah, I know. And you just you know you go to shake a hand, then you like turn it up and like surprise, and there's glitter in their face, and you run away. I mean that's pretty good. I think pretty I, good. I think we should patent. I that mean the smartphone thing that's good too. I guess, but I mean. <laughs> yeah. old, I'm going for practical. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was how you play. Oh, everybody. everybody. All right, let's move on now. Let's get down to cookies. Yeah. All right, each week out now we have a couple main movies this week that we talk about during the week, but we also have other movies that we see also during the week. So we're going to cookies. Yeah. All right, all that. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I haven't been watching movies, but I've been watching Legend of Korra on Amazon Prime streaming. It's a pretty solid show. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm in season two, episode three or something like that. It's interesting. I, I want to I wanna continue this because uh, how many more seasons are there, actually? There's four Just seasons. One. Four seasons. Okay, so I'm not even halfway through. So you watch the you watch the first season. Yeah, I, I finished the first season again because I wanted to know where I left oh, off. Oh, that's right. And I then, forgot. Yeah, you did watch the first season. Yeah, and it. then season two started, and now there's like some tension, and I'm all I'm right now. His Tenzin's daughter is lost, and I, I want to know what's going on. Season here. two has some interesting stuff in there. I would say it's the low point of the four seasons, but I mean, so it's, it's like The Wire. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that said, I mean, it's still a really good show. But you have nowhere cool. from up to go, though, especially when you get to like kind of the second half of season two, especially. So. Well, I'll, I'll get through it. And I mean, um, it's a, it's a damn good series, regardless. So, like, yeah. yeah, good that you're watching. Scott Mendelson, have you seen any other movies this week? Well, I did see Cinderella. Um, I'm under embargo for review, but social media reactions are allowed, so I'll be brief. It's a lot better than I was expecting. It's the best by default of the live action Disney take your cartoon, make it into a live action feature thing that they've done in the last four years, five years, excuse me. Very lush, very colorful, very well acted. Kenneth Branagh directs it very well. There's just enough Dutch angles to amuse those that are looking for them. That was my question. So but no more than that. Okay. <laughs> if you're not looking, you won't notice. I saw the, I'm going to mess up the order of this title, so I apologize. The second best exotic Marigold Hotel. No, I think that's correct. Period. Okay, excellent. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's. I think the embargo will be broken by the time this airs, so I'm okay. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it, it, it's my biggest problem with the film is that Dave Patel, who basically is the lead for all intents and purposes, his character is a nonstop deluge of bad decisions, poor opinions, and endless self pity, almost to the end of the film. But when he's not being awful, the rest of the film is actually very good. Did you like the first film? I did. I thought it was fun. Uh, it's it's a nice little, you know, it's a nice little franchise. Judy, you know, all the all these quote unquote senior citizens are very good in it. 
but a by lot, the way, dude, a lot more gore and nudity than I was expecting. Gore and <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The guest at the best exotic. Uh, did Judy Dench? Did she say that she's going to retire from acting, or is that... well, I don't know, and 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 I don't want to get too much into salacious gossip, but mm. she didn't look blind to me. Mm. Um, I know there were rumors around the time of Skyfall that she was going blind, and when she first showed up on screen during the first scene, I was kind of sort of seeing if she was making eye contact with the characters. I mean, as horrible as that is, but honestly, after that, I completely forgot. And she, if she's blind, then she's even a better actress than we thought she was. Mm. But you know, she seemed perfectly healthy. She's very good in the film. Bill Nye's very good in the film. Uh, Maggie Bill? Smith is Bill, wonderful. Oh, <laughs> Bill Nye. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you Not said the science so. guy. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, if Judy Dench actually did go blind, I'd choose her as my mentor. <laughs> Interesting. From Chronicles of Riddick? She's not that kind of me. mentor? No, she's just like a ghost who forgets that she's in the movie in that movie. It doesn't matter about that one. Mm. Don't bring that up again, Abe. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that movie existed. But yeah, and other than that, it's basically been TV. I've been trying to catch up on Blackish. I've, I've got into Fresh Off the Boat, which is funny. You mean Asian? Yes, Asian-ish. <laughs> but every time I watch it, I desperately want to eat it Outback or Black Angus, neither of which are anywhere near me. <laughs> uh, the, the lead character, he owns a Longhorn-type steakhouse, and that's one of the main sets. So at the end of every episode, I'm very hungry for that kind of steakhouse. I'm it's actually subliminal advertising for you to go to Black Angus. It really is. Yeah. I'm enjoying that show quite a bit, actually. Uh, between, um, between that and Blackish, I'm, I'm quite happy with ABC's diversity-filling programming that they were going for. The only thing I don't like about both shows is the voiceover, but I generally don't like voiceover more often than not. Well, yeah, so. I mean, John Hurt can't narrate everything, Scott, so there you go. Exactly. <laughs> he should. <laughs> My Asian-American family moved from D.C. to Orlando. He beat me to it. Okay. <laughs> um, I uh, saw Maps to the Stars this week. This is the new David Cronenberg film, um, which stars uh, Julia Moore, John Cusack, Mia Wasikowska. I liked it quite a bit. It's uh, it's I'm a big Cronenberg fan in general, um, and it's it's neat saying that now, where he's kind of a, he's evolved from his um, kind of body horror films like The Fly or The Brood and things of you know from his earlier in his career, and he's moved on to now kind of more real world drama. Mm-hmm. And this film is more of a, it's it's more of a. Um, it's like it's like a it's like a Hollywood satire, like the player or something like that, mixed with the kind of psychological sensibilities of something like Donnie Darko, which is interesting. And it has it so it has this kind of shade to it, but I enjoyed it for what it was doing. I I think the actors are all very good at what they're trying. Julia Moore in particular, I mean, they're they're playing this kind of version of the shallowness of Hollywood and how to kind of get ahead by being enemies of everybody when, except when you're, you know, actually in front of those people. And it's, it has the kind of touches that you'd expect from a Cronenberg film, but it's still, it's, it's neat that it's somewhat, it's slightly different from his average movie for kind of the way, the way it utilizes satire and just the kind of the performances happening because it has a, as opposed to being focused on one character, it has multiple characters, which you don't really see in Cronenberg films because they're very, a lot of them are very internalized with the main character being uh, portrayed. Uh, but yeah, Maps of the Stars, I think it opens in limited release at the end of this month. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Scott, did you see Maps of the Stars? I know it's been kind of I did not. around. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it had like a week run for Oscar contention last year, and then it just has kind of come slowly screening oh, I... and leading up. 
I, as a lot of you know, am having a third child in June. So I'm trying to be very selective of what I see in theaters for pleasure, knowing that I'm going to have a lot of time to watch a lot of DVDs. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all also here. We, we still have a running contest of when Scott's child will be born. Closest to the date and time, we'll, of course, get a prize. <laughs> That's not true. Time is key. Time is key. Um, Don't be going to write AM or PM. It's or a scheduled no birth, so I'm going to win that one. Okay. Oh. It's a scheduled birth. All right. Uh, that was out of <laughs> I like to end most quickies on awkward pregnancy notes. So that's, that's good um, Okay, that was out of quickies. Tim. Now let's do the movie trailer talk where we talk one of the newest movie trailers of the week. One, they're coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. This week we have The Man from Uncle, a TV remake directed by Guy Ritchie and starring Superman, one of the potential Batman from back way back in the day. And apparently Hugh Grant is in this. And yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it has Henry Cavill. I mean, apparently he's, he's in the trailer. I, I didn't notice him, honestly. <laughs> uh, I did not either. Yeah. Um, no, we have Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, who was supposed to be Batman in like the Justice League movie way back. Just that's where that reference comes from, um, as well as Jared Harris. And all of them are doing accents, which is strange. You have English Henry Cavill <laughs> doing American. You have American Army Hammer being Russian. And you have very English Jared Harris being anything but either of these things. And um, it's set in the 60s during the Cold War. It has an American and Russian agent teaming up to do some kind of mission. Um, I know this film was like originally going to be directed by Steven Soderbergh, presumably with George Clooney which sounded like an interesting film at the time, but now we have Guy Ritchie, who's, I guess, taking time off of the Sherlockness, and um, and uh, and focusing on on this, um, which is curious. Um, but with that said, Scott, what did you think of the trailer? I think on you know, face value, it looks like a lot of fun. It's got a lot of fun actors that are enjoying playing in that very specific sandbox. Um, it's just a number, you know, one of a handful of films this year that seem to be riffing on not just the spy movie, but the James Bond film that is a type that is associated with Roger Moore. You know, the, the sort of cheeky and over-the-top and somewhat campy spy adventure. Um, yeah, it's really weird hearing Jared Harris with an American accent. Um, and it's... Yeah, but it's a little weird with Army Hammer as a Russian accent. What, but... What's neat is that because you in a Soderbergh film, I feel like I could see that as the joke because he likes doing yeah. those kind of jokes of having actors purposely messing with you by doing this kind of thing. <laughs> and and now it's like Guy Ritchie's doing this. I, I'm curious if that's like part of the joke of the movie itself, but whatever. And it looks like a lot of fun. The action beats look amusing. Everybody seems to have chemistry. My only complaint, and this is just, you know, this may be irrelevant when the film comes out. I wish it wasn't an origin story. One of the things I really liked about the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes films is that they were not origin stories. They just jumped right into the thick of it. I, I wish I didn't have to wait for the sequel to see these two people in the status quo doing what they're good at and enjoying themselves. I hope that it will be something along the lines of, say, Batman Begins or Casino Royale, where they're only or, you know, doing origin for the first hour. But, you know, aside from that, looks like a lot of fun. It's, it's the best thing I can say about this trailer is that I want to see this movie a lot more than I did before I saw the trailer. There you go. Abe? I do think it's a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan, so I'm glad that he's kind of back in the saddle doing something. And I, I basically was going to say everything that you said in terms of all the accents and whatever else. And I think that Army Hammer is a pretty funny... He's got some some interesting comedic timing for an actor uh, of who's I think presumably he wants to be a, quote unquote a more serious actor maybe 
but he's he's almost like uh, a pretty good comedy actor. So uh, and physical comedy too. If you watched um, what was the one with Johnny Lone Ranger? Yeah, he's pretty decent in that. What was the one with Johnny Depp? You know that that, <laughs> that, that hundred million <laughs> dollars movie, <laughs> two hundred fifty million dollar <laughs> western. I forgot the name of the movie. I apologize. It was a secret window? Was that it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the so. way, my yeah. my three year old son thinks the end of that movie is awesome, and he's right. Because he's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, it looks pretty fun. I I you know I, I'm interested to see what Henry Cavill can do because I've seen him in brooding films and I've seen him in as Superman, but this one looks like it's a little bit lighter. It's a little bit more fun, and again, I, I I'm always curious to see what Guy Ritchie's doing. I like the way that he directs movies. It's really weird, you know, seeing Henry Cavell in this film with, you know, a sort of a happy-go-lucky American accent. You know what he reminds me of is Brandon Routh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, both, you know, physical resemblance and in terms of his, you know, screen presence. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I see him and I see Brandon Routh on Arrow. It's, it's funny because I look at Henry Cavill in this trailer and I'm like, he could have been Christian Grey, but we can get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not my Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. You know, if you think back to the saddle for Guy Ritchie, like, there's not much that I haven't liked from him. And he, I mean, yeah. last thing no, he, no, but I mean, I haven't really seen anything from him lately. Well, because it's, it's his first movie since Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows. <laughs> yeah. Um, has he been in Scott? Has he been involved in other things that just didn't get started, or was it just kind of uh, trying to think? I think he. I think they were debating what you know whether or not to do a Sherlock Holmes three. I think they, you know, the King Arthur thing took a little bit longer to get off the ground than That's, they thought. Yeah, right. Um, so I think it was just a matter of him circling stuff that either got pushed back or didn't happen. And that's the next um, thing, right? He's at the King Arthur. Yes. That's next year. Or two Allegedly. Years I'll believe it when I see a trailer. But that's that's what's happening, apparently. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I look at Guy Ritchie's because I like Guy Ritchie quite a bit. Um, but I look at like his movies and there's only like two that I don't you know care for, which is Swept Away for obvious reasons and uh, Revolver. <laughs> I, I mean, which, if anything, is just kind of it's different and weirdly ambitious, but not a great right. movie. But I mean, I, I love Lockstock and Snatch, and then you have Rock and Roller, which Abe and Rock I are big Roller. fans of, and yeah. then there's Sherlock Holmes movies, which we're fans of. I mean, I mean, and he does hasn't necessarily. I think I could compare it to something like Robert Rodriguez, where he hasn't necessarily com- like um, evolved as a director all that much, but he makes fun movies for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see here. I see that with the Man from Uncle. I think it just looks like a fun movie. I I, I I'm curious as to what it can really add to this kind of spy comedy genre. But at the same time, I just, I mean, if I'm going to see just stylish fun, I'm happy seeing stylish fun. And that's pretty much what it looks like. I can just reflect a lot of the same opinions you guys have said already. And, um, yeah, I am kind of curious about, you know, this cast and what they're capable of given the wacky accents that they're doing and what have you. But, uh, <laughs> if there's one thing I'm sure of, I'll probably get a great soundtrack, which is, <laughs> I'm always happy. Yes. With. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, Man from Uncle opens August fourteenth, two thousand fifteen. That's another thing too. It's mid August. Like it's like, I guess they really couldn't find a time slot for this movie. But there you go. Well, it's a big fish, bigger fish in a smaller pond. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Compared to last year, August is going to be like August. Frankly, yeah. you've got Fantastic Four at the beginning of the month, and other than that. You know, there's stuff coming out, but it's not you're not you're not going to have something like last year where you had Guardians of the Galaxy and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just crushing it for the first two three weeks, and then Sin City, a Dame to kill, yeah, and then Expendables, <laughs> Expendables three, which I keep forgetting that movie was was ever released because whenever I see the title come out, I'm like they made a third one. I wish I could be you, Abe. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so that's that's that. 
Uh, now let's move on to our first film review for Kingsman, The Secret Service. It's freezing. Why are we walking? We jacked the car keys. Oh, that's my car! Huge IQ, great performance in the Marines. But you gave up. Drugs, petty crime. Never had a job. Who are you? Your father saved my life. Dean says you're fair guy. Boys. I've had a rather emotional day, so whatever your beef with Eggsy is, and I'm sure it's well-founded, I'd appreciate it if you could just leave us in peace. You should get out of the way, Granddaddy. You'll get out. Manners maketh man. Do you know what that means? Then let me teach you a lesson. Are we going to stand around here all day, or are we going to fight? That should have been some of the trailer for Kingsman, The Secret Service. This is from Matthew Vaughn, who is back with another dark comedy action adventure based on a Mark Millar comic book. He took a break to dabble with mutants, but now he's back with Kingsman, a riff on the James Bond genre retrofitted for the millennial age. Colin Firth is now an action hero in the form of a secret spy who recruits a young man, Eggsy, played by Taron Egerton, to join the Kingsman. Meanwhile, a lisping Nick Fury is looking to control the world in his own way, while who, which will put the Kingsman, which also includes Mark Strong and Michael Caine, to the ultimate test. Uh, Scott Mendelson, are you a fan of Matthew Vaughn's kind of visual directorial style? And what do you think of this film? Uh, yes, I am. And I liked it. I am. A, I think X-Men First Class is probably, by a close contention with X2, the best X-Men film yet made. I think it, it's it held up a bit better than X2 by default. Uh, I like Kick-Ass, the first one, quite a bit. I think it's a very good film with, with lots of meat on its bones. And frankly, I think the only time it goes astray is sort of toward the end where it goes just full you know, nutso, Jackie Chan wannabe action film. This one, at least, that's basically what it is through the course of the entire picture. There is less attempts at, you know, would-be social commentary. Having said that, what I liked about the film is, without going too much into the plot, it really did get kind of the bones of the James Bond fantasy, which is one of, basically, you know, economic and class-related mobility. The idea of this, you know, lower-class in, you know, almost impoverished street kid from the mean streets of London who gets a chance to basically be a you know well-mannered rich kid you know super spy with all the vices that go with that the idea that you know the fantasy is that if you you know you can rise above your economic and class circle if given the opportunity if you make the most of that opportunity and I think that is what sort of separated it from the, you know, any number of, you know, kid becomes a spy movies like, you know, Agent Cody Banks, Cars 2, If Looks Good Kill. I love If Looks Classics. Good Kill, but that's, but that's a different, you know, or even, you know, Alex Ryder, Storm Chaser. Oh, oh, um, oh no, nothing but the best references today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did my own work. Okay. Um, but... But barring that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really entertaining action-adventure film. It is funny. Samuel L. Jackson is wonderful in this film. Um, it's the most alive I've seen him in a blockbustery type movie in a long time. Um, you wouldn't say so and, about Captain America? Where he, like, pretty good at Rome, um, Cap. He got he's darn good, good in Cap. Captain America. He, that was, he had stuff to do. I mean, yes. he, he didn't just stand at the podium and, um, you know, announce things. That is, that, is my, that is his best work as Nick Fury, by far. Uh, I thought he was even better in this. And no, I, I frankly, I was not a fan of his work in RoboCop. I get why he was there, but I think his character was superfluous. But 
that's for another day. You know, he is terrific in the film. He has the, you know, weird artistic choice to have this really weird lisp throughout the entire film that makes him very disarming. He makes him much friendlier than you would expect that character to be, which of course works for the course of the film when he turns out to be a genocidal terrorist. Bonus points for casting Mark Hamill in a role that has nothing to do with Star Wars. <laughs> um, kudos. Sophia Botella is a lot of fun as the, I think she plays the henchwoman, right? Yeah, she's like the Jaws yeah. or the Odd Jaws. Yeah, the, the Jaws film. character. Yeah. Um, Aaron Egerton is fine as the lead. And Colin Firth is really, really good in this. Obviously, it's an against-type turn, but he's Colin Firth. He's an actor. I mean, of course, he can do that if he needs to. I think Michael Caine's a little underused, but Michael Caine's so, you know, all over the place these days that, you know, so be it. This is the first film I've seen in a while with Michael Caine where I don't think you needed Michael Caine for that role. But whatever. He was on the set. Maybe he owed somebody a favor. No arm, no foul. That really seems like a what it was. Like, I can look good in a suit. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael, um, do you just want to sit down for the movie? Like, they saw him, like, walking down the street. They're like, you know, we needed a foot. Mike, Michael, Mike. And then they got him. Because <laughs> he never says no. Um, <clears throat> the action scenes are terrific. Uh, lots of long, fluid takes. Uh, terrific choreography. Uh, there is one scene in the second act that I will not get at, even though the trailer shamefully gave it away. This is one of the better plot twists I've seen in any movie in a long time. Both the scene, how it develops, and how it ends. And of course, I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about, but it is a wonderful story turn, completely unexpected. And it is a, a good, fun movie. I'd like to see a sequel in this world. And it's another of what Ma Matthew Vaughn does best, which he tells very violent often borderline offensive stories using a very candy-coated rainbow-type color palette yeah. that, you know, he tells very dark stories in a very bright way. And that's a very conscientious choice. But he does that very well, and this is a prime example of what he's good at. Abe? Uh, just on the Matthew Vaughn thing, so I am a big fan of Matthew Vaughn, too. I think that X-Men First Class is uh, second best as well. Uh, very close in contention with X2, just like what Scott had mentioned. Uh, I'm a big fan of the way that he directs movies, and it is very much a very violent film, but masked with a lot of fun. And although some people might be thinking, well, that's not very, that, that doesn't sound like a very uh, wholesome thing. Well, it's not really supposed to be. I mean, there's like a scene in here where Colin Firth is sitting in a church and there's a lot of really weird hate speech going on, um, which is sort of speaks to, you know, cited today. But he does it in such a way that is sort of entertaining and also uh, like what Scott had said, the term off color. So for the most part, I really enjoyed this movie. I think that it's really fun. There's a lot of great action sequences, too. I thought that the long takes were well done. Um, you could tell that there was like a scene here and there where, uh, sure, the the stunt double is a little bit more fluid than Colin Firth, but who cares, right? It's a, it's a movie, and he's supposed to be an action star. And for the Firth, most part, Firth, he, Firth was said he's done like ninety percent of his stunts in this movie, which is pretty that's nice. amazing. Yeah. Like that's actually I, I'm actually very happy and surprised by that. Um, but. I think that the actors, as far as this origin story goes, I think there was a good mixture in terms of, hey, like this is how the, this is what the Kingsman is, and this is what we're doing right now. And then there's also a pretty good division about this is who the villain is, and let me let me uh, develop him a little bit more. In terms of Sam Jackson, dude, that guy is rocketed in this movie. That guy looks like he's having a ton of fun. His outfits are amazing. And his hats. Uh, his hats, yes. His, but I mean, just I was like, dude, I want to wear orange like Samuel Jackson. Or I won't wear a pink like Samuel L. Jackson. That guy's just rocking everything. Uh, there's a lot of weird, funny things in here, too. 
just in terms of dinner sequences and what they what they're served and some of the dialogue between what secret sauce uh, for a, a cheeseburger you'd want to have and it's it's kind of just very interesting overall. I liked the way that they incorporated the spy genre into this just in terms of this is not that kind of a movie. Um, even though they are poking fun at you know James Bond, uh, all this other stuff and and whatever else, but on the whole, I think it's a pretty fun movie. I do want to see more of this world as well. I do want to see how things develop. I've, I've read the source material, and it, it uh, I don't know if there's they're going to write more, and uh, if Matthew Bond's going to direct another one, but uh, it's very fun. I think that it's it's one of those things where I, I'm glad that they also didn't have characters that were like 15 or 16. These are people that are old enough to drink alcohol. Um, that are that are in these situations, so they can shoot people in the head, and you can see heads explode. So uh, I'm glad that they made those those kind of choices as well. But on the whole, I think that that people should go see this. I think it's a, it's an entertaining movie. What I what I like about and I like this movie too quite a bit. Um, it's very entertaining for all the reasons you guys have listed. Um, some, something I like about kind of the way Vaughn and and his screenwriting partner Jane Goldman they how they've kind of adapted this and Kickass from the Mark Millar Dave Gibbons world um it's just the the like Mark Millar he he tends to he can he can go like far on things in terms of like trying to offend for the sake of being offensive and not for the sake of adding much to the conversation and i i feel like Vaughn and Jane Goldman they like have a way of kind of dialing that in to make something work cinematically and that's something i appreciate about like this and Kickass i think Kingsman does it more effectively um with that being said um because he can kind of go to this level of having jokes and various bits of humor and action that take it to a level that you might not normally see in like more i guess studio friendly films and this kind of goes to certain lengths but manages to kind of justify why it's going there where like scott you mentioned this kind of act twist that we're not diving into completely but you can you can see why it would have to go that way in order to ju- justify something else that happens before. Like, it's just little things like that I can appreciate. I, I enjoy the way the film kind of dares itself to go to a certain place and then finds a way to make it work after the fact. And so com- accompanying that with, you know, some really solid performances here. We talked about Colin Firth. He's great in here. We talked about uh, Sam Jackson. He's good here, too. Uh, Mark Strong, someone I love seeing. I love Mark I Strong. I love Mark Strong movies. Yeah. And seeing him here where he's not playing necessarily a villain for a change. He's playing, you know... <laughs> He's playing a mentor guy, kind of. I mean, was, he and Colin like, Firth are I, kind I, of trading off on mentor roles. Go on. What? I was I was kind of waiting for him his character to turn, and I'm glad that it didn't. And it's I mean I just like Mark Strong in general. He's good. Me too. But with all that said, Taron Egerton is great in this movie. He's you know very new. Like this is like his first film, his first film, like his first full length feature film, and he's great in this movie. He has great presence. He really holds his own with these you know these veteran actors here. He has a great physicality and comic timing. He has everything that you kind of want from, you know, a lead kind of character such as this without being, you know, kind of the bland lead that happens to be here while all the other cool people are running around. Yeah. Such as Kick-Ass in his own movie. I mean, it's it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch Eggsy be a part of the action and do the things that he does. I, I think... I'm not the first person that says this. I know Scott, you agree as well. There's kind of, there's a joke towards the end that he's involved with that maybe is a little bit too far. Um, but beyond that, I think, I mean, the movie is, it's maybe a bit overlong, but I mean, there's, there's nothing really to complain about this thing. Like it does everything really well. It's not necessarily adding something new to the kind of spy comedy genre besides the edge that it brings and Matthew Vaughn's visual style, but it's just a lot of fun. That's, I mean, it's, it's very fun. It does 
what it does really well, and it has some great actors to go with it. My only, I mean, yeah, the, the, I wasn't crazy about that joke at the end, but whatever, these things happen. Yeah. My only complaint, and it's not really even a complaint, it's that I found the scenes of Colin Firth doing his spy business and interacting, especially when he interacts with Samuel Jackson, far more entertaining than the training Orton story, I hope I make the team t- material. Which and, is fair because it's that kind of, yeah. like you mentioned, the Man from Uncle thing. It's that origin story stuff where you kind yeah. of, you get it, uh, but, but you have to kind of do it anyway. But I think it's oh. it's helped by the fact that you're seeing all the stuff that Kingsman do essentially through that training montage stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the, the whole film has a genuine sense of showmanship, which is why I, I think it works, why I think it's very entertaining, and why I think, frankly, it's going to get very good word of mouth over the long run. Because it does, you get your money's worth. And one of the things that, that uh, Aaron you talked about, too, is... <laughs> Excuse uh, me. Oh, no problem. But one of the things that I, I liked, that I didn't like about it, was that the length was a little long. I was starting to feel it toward the, I guess, the middle of the third act, or entering the third act. And But aside from that, I think it's pretty much a film that's pretty solid, just in terms of the, the what they're trying to do, the scope, and all the execution of it, too. So everything like that makes it just worth it. And the villains are, I think that they're pretty solid villains. It's one of the situations where you might think that, you know, this villain is not that great or the villain is just not something that you can identify or he's too over the top in terms of his plan, his nefarious plan. But for the most part, he actually has a pretty solid reason why he's doing this. They, they do justify it well and enough they, for the Yeah, film, and yeah. they actually have some science, quote-unquote science, behind it. And that that's what made it interesting. Um, I like that plan. Well, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm for it, but I just thought, you know, he's actually... It's not like he wants to nuke out an entire country because... He wants they oil forgot, or something. They, yeah, they didn't, they didn't want to sign some trade relation with us or, or whatever, you know. It's actually just something like... You know, I'm 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 this philanthropist, and I've got a lot of money, but also I believe in science. There's a greater good in his eyes that he's going for. The greater good. Something. I mean, you guys mentioned a possible sequel, which I'd be for as well. What I I mean, in a movie like this, that you know, kind of goes over the tropes of various you know spy antics, um, largely lifted from kind of James Bondian type situations. I'd want to see like a villain like deal with ordering more henchmen. You know, because like a lot, like a lot of henchmen die in this movie. Like a lot of yeah. the workers for Sam Jackson get you know shot in the face or you know worse in this movie. Right. I'd love to see a scene where like they have to order henchmen from some handbook or something, or like mercen like the mercenary club that they like raid all these people somebody. from. Yeah, I I like to see those kind of scenes, like really getting the minutia of how how to become a supervillain. <laughs> there's a and I'm sure you guys all know this but this is for the sake of those who don't there's a couple deleted scenes in the first Austin Powers film that deal specifically with mm-hmm. the family of dead henchmen being contacted yeah. and told that their you know husband father whatever has just been killed by Austin Powers yeah it's um, the henchman that like screams no and then gets rolled yeah. by the steam the steamroller and like I believe like oh. Rob Lowe's in one of those scenes like yes. yeah <laughs> so, it's bachelor party yeah exactly oh <laughs> And I think the guy that gets eaten by the fish in the third act. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it, it that works better as a deleted scene, especially twice. But it's a cute touch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, 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 you know, I could nitpick the film if I want to. I think the the action in the third act goes on a little long because there's not much variety beyond. Oh, he just shot somebody again. Um, especially with what's going on in the rest of the world. Happening. Exactly. It's like how like much... you want him to finish this? Yes, exactly. 
Uh, you know, it's 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 almost too good at creating a ticking clock scenario where you're rooting against the action because you want him to save the day. Stop the clock. Exactly. <laughs> like, um, and there's also, the, I mean, it's a good looking movie, but it seems like Vaughn's always like struggling with like getting it done under budget and doesn't ever quite get there. Like it's like once yeah. again, like man, like first class. The reason I don't love that movie is because I feel like if it had three more months, you know, tighten up the script and get that get the effects work a little more refined, it would have been amazing, like, more amazing. But, like, it, it feels oh. like this is the same here, where there's some instances where it's like, yeah, it looks good. <laughs> uh, the, the effects in, in First Class didn't bother me that much. I will say there is one big effect in this one that just doesn't, you know, it just it doesn't look real. And it's a major important scene right at the end mm -hmm. that does kind of take you out of the movie because it looks, you know, unfinished. Uh, but, oh, mm. well, minor detail. I'd ra I'd rather have good characters and good action and crappy special effects than vice versa. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, how much how much do you guys think Sam Jackson was channeling his uh, his unbroken or unbreakable character? <laughs> oh, I don't think at all. Mm. I think it's a very different. It's it's you now this guy's full of self confidence. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is exactly not Mister Glass. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's it's. Uh, yeah, I, I I think Sam Jackson. I mean. See, because I, I wouldn't call Sam Jackson limited. I think he does play... He knows how to play a specific type well, but I don't think it... As opposed to someone like Bruce Willis, where he can play a certain type well, but you can tell how invested he is in said roles. I don't think Sam Jackson ever doesn't commit to the role. It's just he can get into a habit of playing something in a very similar way a lot. Here, I think he actually wanted to branch out a bit and actually do something different. Beyond just, you know, he has a lisp, so he sounds different, but I think even just the way he performs the character regardless of how he talks i think is there i think there's something there to like match up to other performances and see the differences in but still see the effort being put forward um if you get yeah, my it's, meaning it's it's a terrific performance it's a terrific villain performance it's one of the yeah. uh, the better you know on-screen super villains that we've seen in a while i mean especially as you know you know i love the marvel movies as much as anybody but villains are not their strong suit no um yeah. i mean Oh, I like Robert Redford. I think he's wonderful being Robert Redford in that role, but it's not really an iconic villain. Um, not as iconic as Thor the Dark World with, you know, that guy. What's his name like, as it, that it guy? Had, with him. Doctor Who it, it himself? Had it had Doctor yes. Who as that guy. With the th you know, <laughs> he had a big hammer. Oh, wait, that was Guardians of the Galaxy. You loved him in Destro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as Destro. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> yes. Um, um, and since we, we really haven't seen much in the DC world for a few years. So by default, and you know, again, that, that's, that's okay. It's, it's Marvel is good at the heroes while back in the proverbial day, you could argue the Batman films were better at the villains. So yeah. Uh, pretty solid. When we say Marvel, we say Marvel studios. Like, I mean, I, yes, I mean, regardless yeah, of thoughts on the Spider-Man films, I do think the villains are pretty well acted, but um... <laughs> acted. Yes. Yeah. I just, I don't think they're terribly well written. I think, you know, but anyway, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Dehan is that how you pronounce Dane. it? Dane. Dane Dan Dehan. Yeah. Dan Dehan. No, I think he's very good in that film. Uh, I think he was given a raw deal in terms of critical reception. I go. I think Jamie Foxx has been better. I'd go further. I mean, I'd look at Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. I think they just do good jobs. Oh yeah, yeah. That was you know, fifteen years ago. Still, I mean, the <laughs> Spider Man. Spider Man is a big yeah, sandbox, yeah. as you would no, call I, it. No, I think Willem Dafoe is one of the best comic book villains ever. There you Here go. Yeah. He's up there with with you know Al Pacino and Dick Tracy and whichever Joker's your favorite, pick one. And watch this and week's Gotham for another fun version of that. You first. <laughs> I already did. It happened.
Did you? I get the screeners. I I, I know all. <laughs> so. Is it is it actually the Joker? I don't know. <laughs> oh. Do they know? I don't what know they if say? they know. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Kingsman. We liked it a lot. I think we, I think we'd all see it. see it in theaters. I think. I don't is know if there's to too much controversy that we can uh, argue about yeah. here because everyone, everyone light had positive reviews. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, let's move on. Now we're going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Fifty Shades of Grey, the book sensation that went from fan fiction to poorly poorly written erotic fiction. Fifty Shades of Grey is now a major motion picture, heavily anticipated or something by many. After casting disputes and all kinds of hype, the movie has arrived this weekend and made a whopping $80-plus million at the box office. The story concerns a near-college grad, Anastasia, played by Dakota Johnson, who meets billionaire Christian Grey, played by Jamie Dornan, uh, for an interview, then soon develops a relationship which involves her coming to understand that he has particular tastes in the bedroom, a little more hard-edged than the average person. What will become of these two lovers? Scott Mendelson, what did you think of Fifty Shades of Grey? I thought it was fun. Um, I mean, absent all the controversy, absent all the, you know, we don't get to see films like this from Hollywood that much, you know, absent all that stuff, it was enjoyable. It was well-acted. I think the actors did as much as they possibly could with the material they were given. Dakota Johnson is terrific. And Jamie Dornan has the, you know, the worst dialogue and the goofier character arc. But he's also, and I, I regret not mentioning this in my review, he's also high, hiding an Irish accent. And he's good enough that I forgot that he's Irish during the course of the film. Because uh, I, I, you know, I watched The Fall. That's the extent that I know him. Mm. The sex scenes are fine. You know, again, I think if this was, you know, the 1990s, they would be run-of-the-mill kind of thing you see on Cinemax at 5 in the morning. But because we live in a very puritanical age, this is the kind of stuff we just don't get anymore in mainstream Hollywood. There is a sense of self-depreciation and knowing humor that I appreciated. It reminded me of Catherine Hardwick's Twilight film, the first one, which I think was funnier and more self-aware than the sequels. Which makes sense as a reference, too, given that this was based off exactly. Twilight fan fiction. Um, I did miss the quirky supporting characters of Twilight, because for all intents and purposes, this is the Mr. Gray and Miss Steel show. I mean, there's not a lot of outside characters. Um, I mean, there, are, there, there are a few here and there, but they don't make much of an impression. Oh, yeah, you have mom, and then other mom character, and <laughs> yes. then brother, and then friend of character. Um, yep. and, and driver. You, don't forget driver, you know, of course. <laughs> you know, you don't have Anna Kendrick and uh, Billy Burke and before he mattered, you know, Taylor Lautner. Um, but, you know, again, ab- absent all the, the shtick, you know, the controversy, whatever, it's a fun, quirky little er- romantic erotic drama that really, when you get down to it, is a fantasy about the notion that a, a woman can indulge in sexual proclivities decide for herself whether or not that's something she wants to participate into and accept it or not accept it without judgment, be it her own judgment, society's judgment, her friend's judgment. Sad to say, the fantasy of Fifty Shades of Grey is one of informed consent. Uh, uh, Women who read this story weren't fantasizing about getting whipped and beaten and tied. Some of them were, and that's their prerogative. But... At the end of the day, the fantasy in the story is the idea that women can dictate the terms on which they experience sexual pleasure for themselves, and that they will not be penalized, figuratively or literally, for indulging. 
It is textbook female escapist fantasy. And on that note, it's fine. Now, Abe, I know you didn't see the movie, correct? I didn't, but I've got a ton of questions for you. Okay, well. Afterward. Um, I didn't have fun. That's my issue with it. Um, I'd be happy to have said I could have had fun with it regardless of, you know, whatever's going on in it. But it just, I just was really bored by the movie. I would say Dakota Johnson does a good job in the role as, a, you know, the lead, essentially, because she has the most fun lines to say. But I don't, I don't know Jamie Dornan. I don't know him besides this. I know he's in The Fall. I know he was on Once Upon a Time, but I haven't seen him before. And... I would like to think it has to do with, you know, the writing and just the nature of the character, but it just, he just did nothing for me in terms of like having this kind of counterbalance to the female character in the film, which doesn't help because I'm not, I just see Dakota Johnson acting next to like a block of wood essentially. And it's just, it didn't, it it didn't really make me excited to watch that. I was just kind of sitting there. I was like, this is it. This is what we're getting. And even in like kind of the the more you know the, the sexual scenes and the more erotic scenes that were presented, nothing ever really. I mean, you said it's guy it feels kind of run of the mill. I mean, there's nothing real for a movie like this that has the kind of hype that it does behind it. There's nothing really going on here that kind of makes it stand out or make it feel anything more than just yeah. There's here's the scene where you know we see some flesh, which is odd in a movie you know that's designed basically for women to see so much of the woman and not very much of the man at all. But yep. I mean, it it makes me wonder like what what we're supposed to get out of this because, and I don't like I feel like you're giving it a bit of a soft pass here, which is fine. You can do what you want. It's your, your your thoughts on the movie, and if you thought it was fun, it's fun. But I feel like if there's a movie like we get a movie here that's you know directed by a woman, written by a woman, scripted by a woman, starring a woman, that's that's great to you know say that. But at the same time, if you want to you know get more like let's get more women in Hollywood and doing stuff and having you know big blockbuster movies like it'd be nice to get a good movie out of that too right i mean i i I, i'm not trying to you know like appeal to the senses of the you know the great white man that's made so many great movies but at the same time it's like it'd be nice to get a good movie and not just get the fact that we got something like this and i just i didn't get that here i just get this really overhyped boring movie that like ends on a note where i'm like i gotta see like more of these two eventually it's like oh why and so I, i watch this and i see Something that like I mean the the story wise this movie's like it's terrible right I mean it has like it yes. has some like, it has some kernels of ideas but like there's more to extrapolate just by looking at who these characters are and what you know is going to have to happen rather than actually seeing that take place in the movie like I watch Christian Grey and he has the you know his his preferred ways of doing things and it's not so much that I you know get the movies present to me with why he is this way as much as I just kind of figured it out already. So it's like, all right, I feel like I just, I already know what's going to happen with him or know why he's doing things. I mean, he's clearly like he has insecurities and he feels inadequate, which is why he has to, you know, portray himself as this dominant persona. Mm. And yet the movie's like, no, hold on guys. We have like two hours of contract negotiations to deal with first. And it's like, that's okay. Which is what that's another thing. This movie really hinges on the idea of signing a paper. Like, that's what it comes down to. Which, I mean, after watching Jupiter Ascending last week, where, like, the focus of the drama was on trade tariffs being lowered by, you know, <laughs> the destruction of Earth, possibly. It's like, what are we doing here? I mean, it's tax season, I get it, but God, I mean, it has to reflect on <laughs> our movies that much. I mean, the tax industry, they really want you to do your taxes early. But it's Question a, for you guys. Yeah. Uh, so last week we talked about how, you know, some actors, if you don't really know them, it kind of works both ways, right? It can blow up in your face or you basically pay more attention to their character in the movie. So for this one, you didn't really, you didn't really pay much attention to the character. It kind of blew up in your face. Is that what you're saying, Aaron? 
Not necessarily because I, I like I'm a, yeah, I mean I'm not familiar with Jamie Norton as an actor because I have not seen him in other performances, but I at least know I know he is an actor. Like I know he's done things, he's gotten a level of acclaim. He didn't he didn't get cast in this for no reason. Last mm-hmm. week we were talking more about non actors, people that right. are we were talking about Grant Torino, which has actors that are not at they're not, they're just regular they're basically people. They maybe have some acting mm-hmm. workshops and do some like maybe like some local stage the, uh, theater or what have you. But they're not like professional actors. Same with uh, Boyhood, where it's you know people at a very young age that grew up into being. They're not even actors now necessarily. They're just like, hey, we've been doing this thing. As opposed to this, these are. This is just more of I'm unfamiliar with this person, and so yes, I mean in terms of like. Did it work for me or did it not? No, it didn't work for me because I mean, it doesn't really have to. It doesn't have to do with the fact that I haven't seen it before. It's just that this movie, if this is what you're showing me, this is not good. Like that's right. that's what I'm seeing. Dakota Johnson, I do like. I've seen her in other things. I like that show Ben and Kate. She was on, with <laughs> got canceled, which is sad. But I mean, <laughs> actually, I know I, I, I know everybody else. Like uh, Jennifer Ellie is in this as her mother. I like her. Jennifer Ellie as oh, from yeah. like Zero Dark Thirty and Contagion, among other things, right. and. Yeah. Marsha Gay Harden, obviously, and even Max Martini's in Pacific Grim, among other things. <laughs> like I know a lot of these other actors, but yeah. Um, no, it, it, obviously, if you're bored, then there's no defense for that. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if you're bored, you're bored. Yeah. Um, I did like the contract negotiation stuff. That, yeah, at, that's at the, the very least, it's like okay, I've never seen this before. Exactly, and that's the like the the, the centerpiece that's scene the is the best scene of the film. It's the best scene. It's the best. I mean, it has the score. It has the lighting. Yeah. And this makes sense if you see it because it's like this whole like it's one of Christian Gray's conference. Ro- By the way, Christian Gray is like a billionaire businessman who says he's like always busy. Yet like you never see him actually do work in this movie. <laughs> no, like, you have, you have, I mean, like the camera's out on him all like, the time. Like the first scene you see is like him arriving at work and he's told he has a meeting, so he takes this interview and then he's like, "Oh, you have another meeting." It's like, all right, and then you you never see like you never see him do work. I don't know what he does. I assume he's he's in almost about to do work when either she calls him or he calls her. I, I assume he has to join Patrick Bateman to do murders and execution. I'm sorry, murders and acquisitions yes. at some point. They've got to go return videos. <laughs> return video that's his business right there it's a very (laughs) successful videotape returning company earlier you said that there are some people who know you well why do i get the feeling that that is not true mr gray your next meeting is in the conference room cancel please we're not finished here yes sir Question, so you met you brought something else up, which is uh, some of the technical aspects. How was the score, cinematography, et cetera, et cetera? Danny Elfman's score. More, more like score, though. Danny, Danny Elfman's score is fun. And I like the way it uses – it almost uses – it plays somewhat stereotypical Danny Elfman music to signify that we're not supposed to be taking this as seriously as you might think. Oh, good. Okay. Um, in a way that I was amused by. And even you – know, I went with Wendy – and you know she you know makes fun of Danny Danny Elfman all the time, and she got the joke too. Exactly stuff like that. Um, and it, it was a very knowing choice for him to do the music. It's it's a mix because there's that, then there's like the real like, and they play these scenes, the songs loud, like obviously Crazy in Love, the Beyonce like remix of it for this movie. Like they play right. it like they really emphasize. That's why the sex scenes are and, so weird well, to no, me. But, they, but that's why that's why it's such an interesting juxtaposition because the trailers. Have all the the really hot and heavy songs and whatever else, and then you guys say that Dan Elfman makes it kind of tongue in cheek, and that makes me kind of want to see the movie now. It's that <laughs> I'm not doing justice here, but um... no, no, not not just in terms of like, hey, if it's gonna be like kind of goofy and kind of fun, maybe it is something worth watching. Is it? No, I uh, don't think so. Scott does. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, um. If it's if you don't think it's your cup of tea, then don't rush out and see it. Yeah, I and honestly, I would have loved to have hated it 
because I had the headline all in my mind, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey is all pain, no pleasure. And I would have gotten a lot more traffic than I did with my mixed positive review than I ended up writing. You know, it did me no favors liking this film. But like, and my and part of why I was bored is that it, it, I don't feel like it does much with the stuff that you didn't necessarily come to see. The, I mean, obviously there's people, you know, who are either very nervous about the idea of sex or hooting and hollering because they haven't seen it on a big screen before. But like people are in the theater, like, you know, either laughing or nervously laughing at the, you know, the, the sex stuff which is whatever, but like the rest of the movie, which, you know, I'd ideally like to be somewhat happy with where it could be kind of fun and playful, given that you're not going to, if if you're going to get a movie like this, that, you know, is going to show you R rated sex scenes, you can only get so much of that. So they have to, you know, counterbalance that with having characters that are maybe fun or have good dialogue. And I don't get much of that. I get some of that from Dakota Johnson. Cause she, you know, she does a good job with a character that's obviously written better, but the playfulness between Christian and Anastasia do nothing for me like it's like they're just not fun characters to be around like their arcs aren't real they're not really interesting people like the, the, all the supporting characters don't do much for me and so it feels like it's a missed opportunity to make better the stuff that's you know not the erotic portion of the film right as opposed to and i said wrote about this in my review opposed to something like magic mike where like obviously it goes for a certain audience because people want to see channing tatum and matt bomber and whatnot like strip on the stage but then you also have the movie that, you know, Steven Soderbergh knows how to do, which is make something fun and interesting, having comedy and drama take place and do more with that to counterbalance the like, oh, yeah, also there's male strippers. But really, there's this, you know, this actual story taking place as well. So another question for you guys. So the, I, I've only seen what I know of the movie is only what I've seen from the trailers. And there's a line where Christian Grey is saying, like, you know, he he's had a rough childhood and whatever. Do they explore his... Too much. Why he's so messed up? Aaron kind of alluded to it in terms of like, you know, they well, kind of do, but kind of don't. That's one of the, and it's tough. And I even mentioned this in my review. I, I was trying to be fair in terms of the story because it's based on Twilight fan fiction. It was not expected to be this worldwide sensation that it was. It was not expected to be the go-to book for, you know, bondage, you know, bondage and, and sadiomachism. Um, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it was written by somebody that really has no insider knowledge of it at all. Um, it just happened to be, you know, that sort of became the whatever. The thing it was it, known for. It, yeah, it was like if I wrote a, you know, a movie about golf that somehow exploded. And all of a sudden, my book is taken as an expert, you know, prose on golf. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, his backstory I didn't like because the implication is that, oh, only somebody that would be really, really screwed up and sexually abused as a child would be into what is basically garden variety bondage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are plenty of people that that's just their kink. You know, they otherwise are completely normal. You know, they have jobs, marriages, kids, whatever. But that's their fetish. And as long as nobody's, you know, being forced to do anything, more power to them. But so that was one of the like... things I didn't like about this film still... is the need to over-explain his, you know, why he does this. And they don't right. even, like, they they explain it to a point, but there's still two more movies where you presumably have right. to deal with his so, with what's wrong with him. So yeah, <laughs> the follow-up question I have is, is it his movie or is it her movie? It's her movie. It's, it's her movie. Yeah, it's she. Yeah, interesting. She's okay. she's the she's the protagonist. She's the one that takes action in this movie. He, he's just mm-hmm. the person she meets and you know gotcha. has to deal with and learns about. And, and I I assume that the other I see I don't even know I don't know how two more two hour movies get filled. Yeah, with stuff. And that, and that's my that's my follow up question is, did this movie kind of leave you with like 
yeah, I guess I could go watch the other well, two. It ends or on is def- it like, man, it, this is awful. It ends like, on I'm a definitive cliffhanger, that's for sure. Like It, it, okay. it leaves okay. you knowing that there's more story to be told. It's just how interesting is that story going to have to be to fill in four more hours of screen time? We had, See, an, entire, that- we had an entire Tolkien novel that couldn't do that. So, I mean, what, <laughs> what can we do with this? In that way, I would actually kind of disagree. I liked the way it ended in that if you didn't know that there were two other books out there, it would be a pretty definitive ending to her character arc. I don't want to go into spoilers. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we can talk about this, you know, off the record. But one of the reasons I liked it in terms of what I felt was the quote-unquote messaging, if you want to go into that, you know, I, again, I don't think the film has to be particularly moral or upstanding or anything like that. Right. But if we're playing that game, if you imagine that the story ends with this movie... I think it's a far more positive betrayal than it is with the knowledge that there's two more other movies coming. That's fair, and that's great for, like, you know, before the internet times, but that's not where yeah. we're at. And like, I know. And, and, that, I, and it, it's not necessarily the best of ways to argue that, but, I mean, honestly, that's where we are. Like, we, we, yeah. we, we're, a knowing, we're, we're the internet age. We're a knowing culture. We know there's going to be more movies. <laughs> um, I, I will say that for the sake of this film, I do believe the film ends on a pretty definitive note. Or if there never was a sequel, okay. that would be fine. That's fair. Yes, I can agree with that. I agree yeah. that. I mean, it, it's not. It doesn't. <laughs> it it doesn't end on like a, it ends on a cliffhanger. If you again, as, like if Scott said, if if you know there's more, but at the same time, it it ends appropriately enough. It makes you satisfied with like how this film wraps up the story arcs for the time being, or just forever. If you don't, you know, if you're never going to see more of this story. You know, given that the sequels are confirmed, like, even before this movie came out, it's like, yeah, all right, well. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, yeah, okay, it ended. <laughs> like, it had it. I like I like the kind of ending scene more than the, the – it got repetitive, honestly. Like, watching yeah. throughout the, you know, the middle section of this movie, it's like, all right, more of this. <laughs> Not just the sex stuff, too. Just like, all right, more, more like pondering the idea of signing something. <laughs> The contract negotiations were so hot. Yeah. I mean, was there a Notary Republic <laughs> mentioned, and he's also really hot or something? I'd Sadly, be curious, no. I'd be curious how that would work, given that he's very private, but also has a very official contract that has some very key terms in there. So it's like, how does that work? Is there like, all right. His lawyer must have really paid a lot of money or something. Maybe he is a lawyer. I have no idea what he does. I just want to see <laughs> Jerry Jerry Gergut show up as the notary Republic. Is he like a lawyer? Maybe he is a notary. Maybe that's his business. Maybe. Yeah. He's, he's got his own notary, notary ever. He has his yeah. own helicopter, so, you know, notaries probably make good money, right? Yeah. Should we look into this? Should we start a notary business? We should. We should. That'd be Air great ads, notary. right? <laughs> We'd sponsor ourselves. Okay. What? When would you, Scott? When would you go see Fifty Shades? Of, when would you tell people to see Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, again, if, if it's something that you think you're going to want to see, see it in theaters. If it's something that you don't think you're going to like, you're probably right. Wait till video. Yeah. Okay. I can agree with that assessment. I'll go with that. All right. Good. Got those done, guys. Reviews yeah, out. Done. Sealed. Delivered. That was just a like, good discussion. Just like a notary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stamp time. For Here's ten dollars. Let's get to some more fun. <laughs> Um, but before we do that, let's do some sponsor stuff. It's, I'm kidding. That's 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 poppycock because the sponsors are fun. It's audible.com. <laughs> AudibleTrial.com is now podcast. You can go over there and they have a ton of audiobooks. Because who needs who like I mean reading's cool. I love reading. Reading is cool. Reading's great, guys. I wish I had time to read. It yeah. Sometimes you don't have time, or sometimes you take long car trips. Yeah. And what are you gonna do <laughs> with that? Listen to us? Sure, that's a yes. great idea. I mean, I do it, and I listen. I'm on this show. But maybe you run out, or maybe you get really irritated by Abe. 
Maybe me. That's less likely. But still, you maybe want to just read, listen to a book. You can do that. Go to audibletrial.com to a podcast. There's plenty of books over there. You can download them for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, any kind. And you can get a book for free. You go to audibletrial.com to a podcast. You get a free book. And you get to check out the service. If you don't like the service after 30 days, you can drop it. But you get to keep that book that you downloaded for free. So be a winner. Read. Or listen. Audibletrial.com. <laughs> slash out now podcast. All of that I recommend. There you go. All right. Let's do a little out now feedback. 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 This is where we get some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com. Slash out now podcast. We asked a number of questions for you guys to answer. You, the listeners, who are all allowed and happy to participate, which would be wonderful. And you also asked us some questions that we can answer as well. So, with all that said... Let's start this one off. In honor of Valentine's Day weekend and the release of some silly movie that we just talked about, who are your favorite romantic movie couples? And uh, Matthew answered SpongeBob and Squidward. Okay. Han and <laughs> Leia. Tony Stark and his reflection. George and Mary Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. I like how you had to clarify that one. George and Mary Bailey, you know, from It's a Wonderful Life. People may have heard of it. Indiana Jones and Marion. R2, D2, and C3PO. That's a good one. Aragorn and Arwen. Eugene Flynn Ryder and Rapunzel and John Taken and Kicking Butt. I like I like I like that his name's been changed to John Taken. <laughs> like his name's Brian Mills. But like I, John John Taken. That's, that's, that's kind of like how we've renamed Space Jail. Yeah. Yeah. What if that was his name, John Taken? amazing. Steve Braveheart. Steve Braveheart is fighting for freedom. Um, uh, good answer, though, Matthew. Thank you for that. Maxwell also adds Jesse and Celine from the Before trilogy, the Before Sunrise, Sunset, and Midnight. Alvy and Annie from Annie Hall. Patrick and Kat from Ten Things I Hate About You. Jack Foley and Karen Sisko from Out of Sight. Good choice there. Jewel and Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Enos and Jack from Brokeback Mountain. Clarence and Alabama from True Romance. Belle and the Beast from some movie about a beauty and the beast. <laughs> Etc. 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 Okay. You could go on for days. Yeah. Yeah. Next question we ask is, what are some of your favorite spy comedies? Philip writes Cars Two, which Aaron and I both enjoyed. Uh, Tammy writes Austin Powers. Uh, Matt writes <laughs> Steamroller. Matt writes The Man Who Knew Too Little. There's the one <laughs> man. <laughs> Friend of the show, Maxwell <laughs> writes. Yeah, I always have a soft spot for Austin Powers, but how about Burn After Reading or What's Up, Tiger Lily? <laughs> yeah. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Manish writes, uh, to be honest, I think Austin Powers, International Spy of Man and Mystery, is very funny and a well-done movie. Uh, Friends Show Brandon writes, Top Secret. Top Secret's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Jason writes, Get Smart and Spy Hard. Spy Hard, like, I haven't seen Spy Hard in forever, Hard. and, and, I, and I, I'm sure that Spy Hard is not as good as I might think it might be in my mind. It's not. But that Weird Al opening song is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> That's, it's perfect. Like, for that kind I of recall movie. that opened against Mission Impossible in the summer of 96. I think it did, yeah. Yes, because then, like, because then Leslie Nielsen had Wrongfully Accused, which had a yes. scene parodying Mission Impossible in it. Yes. But yeah, Spy Hard. I saw that with my dad, like, on an afternoon sometime in the summer. Dad's Movie Corner? Dad's movie corner. Uh, he liked he he liked the guest quite a bit. Oh, okay. Just, well, in terms of Spy Hard, Spy, too. yes, but in terms of a recent movie recorder, he liked the guest, and he really liked the Most Violent Year a lot. Like he really oh, liked that. Yeah. So, there you go. That's Dad's movie corner. Dad's movie corner. DM. Um. Next up, what's your favorite R-rated superhero or comic book movie? Uh, Philip writes Dread. Alessandro writes Dread, Kickass, and Watchmen. Maxwell writes Do you count Road to Perdition? Of course, it's based off a comic book. Brandon Peters writes Punisher War Zone, and yes, very serious. 
Uh, Jordan writes, "Crow, city, <laughs> the Crow, City of Angels, obviously." <laughs> what? Um, William writes, "Watchmen," followed by "Kickass." Dread was really good too. Good enough to make me forget the monstrosity known as Judge Dread with Sly, which we have Taco a comment. Which we have a commentary track for. We do. Taco. That, I listened to it. It's pretty good. Comment. Uh, Taco Bell. That's Demolition Man, Abe. Get your Sly oh, straight. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Man writes, "Watchmen," the only Snyder film I like. Jason writes, Kick-Ass 300, Sin City, and Dread. Justin writes, I always like The Crow, but Kick-Ass is pretty good. Jordan, a lot of Kick-Ass love. Jordan writes, Kick-Ass. Kick Kingsman is honestly a close second with Dread probably behind that. No love for Darkman? I love Darkman. <laughs> and what about V for Vendetta? I'm sure everyone loves V for Vendetta. I, I thought that would be... Which house you produced? I, I'm pretty sure, I thought Vendetta? that would be like right up at the top here, V for Vendetta, but <laughs> no one mentioned it. I would argue Darkman probably didn't make the list because it's not specifically based on a comic book. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm also still waiting for the Darkwing Duck movie, so... Uh, yeah, the R-rated Darkwing Duck movie. Oh, please make it dark and gritty. With Yeah, with Launchpad <laughs> and a quack helping out there. <laughs> I can understand. I was kidding about Darkman, although I would put it in my list there of movies. It's pretty good. And I didn't. I was expecting to see The Crow more too, but Justin got me. Mm. City of Angels, really? Not City of Angels, uh, just The Crow. Jor- Jordan no, no, Angels. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan's a joke. It has Iggy Pop in it. Fair enough. That's the all, Iggy Pop. That's all I had to say about that. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. Questions you guys asked us. Jason asks us, "Who do you think would play the villain in the Kingsman sequel?" Cody mm. Foster. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley would be pretty good. Who's the exact opposite of Samuel L. Jackson? Jodie Foster's actually a pretty good pick right there. What do you think about <laughs> she, I mean, her villain role's not, not great. Yeah. <laughs> her Elysium role has a really... Elysium, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. All right, next question. Alessandro asks, take a highly anticipated movie that ended up disappointing you. If you could change only one thing about it, what would it be? For example, I think removing Talia from the, the Talia subplot twist from Dark Knight Rises would improve the movie. So what's a, I actually, what's a highly anticipated movie that ended up disappointing you that you could change one thing about Tell it? X-Men 3 from Scott Summers' point of view. Interesting. I, up until the point where he disappears? I, well, well you, change, you change the story at that point. Ah, uh, yeah. um, oh. I would say make Bruce Willis care in A Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would help, that movie. <laughs> Let's see. Cast Antonio Banderas, the fan of the opera? There you go. I'm trying to think of movies that disappointed me. I know, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some recent. God's sakes, hire Andrew Davis to direct any Expendables film. There you go. As, as far as the, the Miranda Tate thing in Dark Knight Rises, have that be revealed much earlier in the film. Because, and I know I, I whined about this three years ago, because everybody and their brother knew it was going to happen. You say that, said, though. I don't know. If I mean, us Batman fans and people knew. Yeah. I, don't think hey. that mo- I don't think that made the movie any better or worse. That's yeah. me. But <laughs> And, you know, me being one that liked it. <laughs> so, you have anything for this, Abe? Uh, not off the top of my head, because uh, I'd have to come back to it. Okay. Yeah. It makes the ending of Rat Race not terrible. <laughs> they don't They don't give the money away in a random... I mean, take out, that, whatever. take out that whole entire Hitler scene, too. And... <laughs> that was at least somewhat amusing. Now, that that is the, the case of a movie I otherwise really enjoyed being utterly destroyed by an awful final ten minutes. Anyhow, that's enough for Rat Race, which I don't know if anyone needs to hear about that. Rat Race. Yeah. Uh, Apple writes, uh, who, uh, would James Dean have continued as a well-respected actor, or is he more highly regarded because he died so young? That's a good question. That is a good question. I have no idea. Um, I, yeah. The potential was there, I would say. I would say he's remembered for certain, for said reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, because I, I, I look, because I, now I, look, I have to look to today, because honestly, I just wasn't, you know, 
and, I've, and see, I, I've seen his movies, but it's not like I, you know, was around to know like you know him and like really kind of registered in consciousness. But you look at something like Heath Ledger, where he's proven himself as a very good actor before he died, and I wouldn't think that I, I don't think that the acclaim that he received and the kind of you know the standing he had as an actor was heightened because of his death. And one thing that I point to to this answer would be top five. And why do I bring up top five? Because if you watch top five, there's a great discussion about what Tupac might have been. And the, the, the answers that they arrive at is, yes, he could have been a center, but the Chris Rock aptly describes him as saying, who knows, he could have been a, an extra in a Tyler Perry movie, right? So it's kind of the same answer here. We're not really sure. It could have been, could not have been, we'll never know. Well, I mean, he didn't receive acclaim before he died because he was making bad movies. He received this stuff because of, you know, what he was doing in Rebel Without a Cause. I mean, he was, he, he was, he was doing good work. It's a shame. If you think about his career trajectory, it was going. If up. he's doing good movies, yeah. If he's doing good movies, then you know, obviously, better roles would open up, and he'd be wanted to do these particular types of roles. So it's kind of just dependent upon the person. But I, I think that he probably would be. It's a little bit of both, is kind of my short answer. And unfortunately, it has to be that because we don't really have a huge cup of work, right? So well-respected? Yeah, sure. I think people liked him enough. And then uh, highly regarded because he died so young? Yeah, I, I think that too. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that kind of happens when people do do good work and they unfortunately pass away sooner rather than uh, we know when they're ripe old. I mean, you're, 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 not, you're only hearing about him because they're either famous or infamous, and he was certainly famous. Mm-hmm. Scott, do you have any thoughts on this? Same, been... same question. Yeah, same question. Oh, time didn't move. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think I think you know James Dean, by virtue of being, you know, a handsome and talented leading man, would have continued to get interesting leading roles, and thus he would have been continued to be respected as a, you know, a strong and interesting leading actor. Especially because you know, if you listen to people like Dennis Hopper, you know, back when he was alive, obviously, you know, talk about you know James Dean. He was one of the first actors that sort of acted for the screen you know it's it, it, you know i remember dennis hopper tells a story inside the actor studio you know you see with james dean he was amazed to see that you know back then you would you know you'd pick up a cup and you'd very explicitly and you know with a certain pronouncement you know pick up the cup and drink the cup and he was sort of one of the first actors to sort of do it very he was one of the first naturalistic actors in movies mm-hmm. and i think because of that you know, he would have continued to give interesting lead performances. And I think absent his death, unless he, you know, look at what happened to Brando, and he's still considered a legend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't sabotage yourself more than Brando did. And people still talk about him as if he was an acting god. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think even absent his death, James Dean would have been considered one of the great actors of his time. All right, so let's move on now. Next question, Matthew asks, any movies you think would you ha- you would have enjoyed more if you had seen them when they first came out? <laughs> For example, you heard too many people talking about it and it got overhyped or something like Napoleon Dynamite where people quoted it as not ad nauseum so you didn't actually enjoy it as much as by the time you saw it. It's hilarious that he uses Napoleon Dynamite as an example because that would be a movie I'd use as an example. I am not a fan of Napoleon Dynamite. Um, I largely contribute that to the fact that the audience I was with made it seem like a horrible experience to me instead of an actual movie that I might like. Um, I, I have, I have seen parts of it since I still does nothing for me. So I, I've, and I've, I, I'm not a huge fan of Nacho Libre and I never saw Jared Hess's third film. And I know he's like another one this year. I just, I don't, I'm not a big fan of his sense of humor. So I, mm-hmm. I think it just comes down to the filmmaker involved at this point, but movies that you would have enjoyed if you had seen them when they first came out. It's a movie that I still enjoy now, but it was a huge regret when I didn't see it was uh, Kung Fu Panda. 
because I made the the huge mistake of seeing Horton Hears a Who in theaters rather than Kung Fu Panda, because I was thinking, ah, DreamWorks, Kung Fu Panda, whatever. Horn Ears of Hugh is probably going to be a much better. I was dead wrong. If I could go back and do it again, I would go watch Kung Fu Panda like a hundred times over Horn Ears of Who. I actually can't think of anything for this one. I mean, I, I tend to see stuff pretty early, if at all possible, and... Well, here's what, like, I like. I know you only, like, more recently saw Big Lebowski for the first time, and you're not a huge fan of that movie. Fair enough. Uh, I don't dislike it, but I thought this is this is a good movie. I can see why there's a cult around it. It just didn't do that much for me. And I don't think I liked it any less because, frankly, I saw it the, you know, in the convenience of my own home at my leisure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to be said. But there, there are certain movies that I think I was harsher because I sort of rushed out and see, saw them at great inconvenience to me. And certainly, I'm sort of easier on films that I watch on VOD at my convenience, you know, you know, then perhaps I might have been if I had, you know, gone out to a press screening in the middle of the night in a, you know, one of those, you know, office, you know, screening rooms. It's funny because I'm thinking of movies where, like, that are from, like, that are presumably you'd see during, like, your childhood or during, like, or, you know, movies that just came out before your time but are, you know, light, well-liked. Right. Where yeah. something like, um, I don't know, like, Goonies is a movie. Like, I like okay. I know, Scott, you're not a big fan of it. Yeah. Hey, do you like Goonies? Are you Goonies? I, I'm actually just okay with it, too. I, I I know that there's like a lot of nostalgia with it, but even when I saw it as a kid, I didn't think that it was, you know, amazing. Well, see, I'm that yeah. way. Well, I'm worse like that with, um, with, and I've said this plenty of times, Hook and Jumanji, where I just think they're bad movies. Yeah. I've never liked them when I was a kid, when I was in the prime age of liking them. But it's not right. as if I like... And you were correct. But it's not as if I dislike other movies that are also from that time. Like, I love The Sandlot. Like, I mean, it's not... It's not a matter of I just hate movies from my from my presumable childhood. It's just more of I didn't like those movies at the time. But I'm trying, like other thi- like I don't know. I've never because I well, don't because like... I don't say over I don't say overrated either because I hate that term. But I mean it's <laughs> it's more of like I I, I tend to, I mean yeah go, go for but for something like Napoleon Dynamite I wouldn't really call that overrated. I mean it it, it was such a it's basically like a cult movie. Um, that really didn't do that 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 well, and people really gave it mixed reviews. Versus its, its budget, it did well. Uh, probably, yeah. But I mean, just in terms of like box office acclaim and whatever else, I mean, it's not as though you're hearing movies starring John Heater everywhere. Um, no, yeah, but I mean, in turn, I guess in terms of like, I went into that movie because of the hype built around it, and mm-hmm. I didn't like it, and I think, and I and I largely attribute that to the hype that was built around it as opposed to the movie itself. Yeah. I would say um, it's 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 a hard thing to kind of factor out because I mean you've seen it at this point so it's hard to get another perspective it's not, it's hard to be like go revisit that time and think of it differently and then have a different opinion but I feel like I prob I yeah I yes I probably still wouldn't have liked the movie if I hadn't seen it with the hype around it but at the same mm-hmm. time I feel like my my appreciation for the film was lessened because of that based on this question I mean as Frank Caliendo famously has said Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Fool done, get fooled again. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to say something, Scott? Oh, no, no. I, just, I, I'm, Honestly, I'm trying to wrap my brain for an example of this, and really nothing is coming to me. Just because, you know, I, for example, I didn't see, you know, St. Elmo's Fire until a couple of years ago. And was it, you know, a huge experience for me? No. But I could kind of understand when the film came out in, what, the early 80s, mm-hmm. why it was a seminal experience for people that saw that when they were the age that it was, you know, pitched to, you know, I, I could understand why that movie made an impression that it did. I, and I think about a lot about that with like horror movies, because horror, like, yeah. something that people use the word "dated" with a lot, because and as the reason why they didn't enjoy that experience. Where I feel like there's 
other that's things. A, to, that's a good genre to bring in. There's things to appreciate. Yeah, there's other things to appreciate about something like Evil Dead, for example, which is a movie that has aged. There's no doubt about that. But I still think there's a lot to appreciate about what it tries to do and how it's done and everything involved with it. But I can understand the argument where it's like, well, that wasn't scary or that didn't look real. I, I see where that comes from. I don't necessarily agree with it or would like to say, hey, maybe a different way to interpret something would help in this scenario. But I, I get that. I get that kind mm-hmm. of logic. Yeah. Very detailed answer yeah. for this question. That's a good question. Uh, which, I, like, which, I, like, I, like, yeah. I like this question. So. Yeah. Matthew, we hope that you're pleased. All right. So that's that. Uh, that was feedback. <laughs> feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on to our game now, guys. Woo! It's that time. Boy. It's what, what, it, it, it yeah, it's, we're there. It's it's there, yeah. Ninety Shades of Aaron, yeah, that was pretty good. It was oh, okay, wow. but here we go. <laughs> this week we have a game that I've made called Fifty Shades of Kingsman. Um, <laughs> okay. There are a lot of actors that have been knighted. I have a number of. I have eleven of these. I'm going to name a few of their films, and you have to guess what actor I'm speaking of. Okay. So buzz in with your name. As in, say Abe, and then say the answer if you think you know it. And All right. It'll just be the first one to get it on each one. Good. Yep. So, all, so the the they it's say, on Scott. The, I think you're gonna win. The, the, but I think the key that goes to this is that all of these actors that I'm mentioning have been knighted. Yes. Which presumably makes them English. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Jim Carrey. So I'm gonna yeah, Sir Sir <laughs> Sir Carrey. Jim Carrey. So here we go. Do I have to say Sir? No. Okay. <laughs> here we go. Okay, here's the first one. Cars two. Bewitched. Uh, Secondhand Lions. Abe. Yeah. Uh, Sir Michael Caine. Michael Caine is the correct answer. Yes, I do have multiple movies for each one of these. Okay. So you just, when you're ready, say it. I'm just going to keep reading them. Here's the next one. Mm-hmm. Time Bandits. Meteor. The Longest Day. Scott. Yeah. Sir Sean Connery. Sean Connery is the correct answer. I did try to choose the obscure movies, by the way. That's not, that's not clear. <laughs> some, of these are, some of these are pretty easy. Oh, it's pretty, pretty obscure. Here's yeah. the next one. City Lights. Modern Times. The Great Dictator. Scott. Yeah. Sir Charles Chaplin? That is correct. Mm. Here's the next one. Valkyrie. Wild Wild West. Abe? Hey, Scott. Yeah, Abe. Sir... Oh, Sir Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh is the correct answer. Oh, it answer. is? Yeah. Yes. He was in Wild Wild West? He's the villain. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. He's awesome in Wild Wild he's, West. He's the, he's the tarantula villain. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh played a mustachioed top hat wearing person that controlled a mechanical tarantula in a Wild Wild West movie. That happened. <laughs> How did he not get an Oscar for that? Here's the next one. Nine. Gandhi. The Crucible. Abe. Yeah? Abe. Yeah. Sir uh, Ben Kingsley. Incorrect. Ooh, Scott. Yes. Sir Daniel Day-Lewis? Daniel Day-Lewis is the correct answer. Who was he in Gandhi? I didn't know he was in that. It's his first movie role. He was in Nine, the animated movie? No, he was in Nine, the Rob, <laughs> the Rob Marshall movie, <laughs> <laughs> the musical. <laughs> I did that very much on purpose. You're right. <laughs> I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad that you think Ben Kingsley's in Nine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Here we go. Here's the next one. The Lady Killers, Oliver Twist, Ooh. Bridge on the River Kwai, Star Wars. Oh, uh, Scott. Yes. Sorry, I was going to be Tom Hanks, Lady Killers. Sir Alec Guinness. I, again, I do choose these on purpose. Yes, ah, Scott, you're yes. The, I was like, wait answer. a minute. What, what person was denied it that was in the, the, Tom, yeah. the Tom Hanks movie? Marlon Wayans, of course. 
Here's the next one. Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, Spice World, The Quest, Moonraker. Oh, Let's, Scott. Yes. Sir Roger Moore. Roger Moore is the correct hmm. answer. Here's the next one. Fracture. Instinct. Uh, Scott. Uh, Thor. Ah. Scott. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is the correct yeah. answer. Next one. Masterminds. Conspiracy Theory. Scott. Yep. Sir Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is the correct answer. He was in Conspiracy Theory? Yes, he's the bad yep, guy. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Damn it! Not Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> So next one. He has, Dave, a, he, has a, he has a must. That was in the '90s when he had a mustache when he wasn't in a Star Trek movie. Mm. <laughs> Makes sense. Here we go. 1941, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Sleepy Hollow. That's Scott. Yep. Sir Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is the correct uh. answer. And here's the last one. It was going to be the tiebreaker, but clearly Scott's winning. <laughs> <laughs> the Jackal, Sneakers. Scott. Yeah. Sir Sidney Poitier. I did not know he was knighted he before was I did sir. this game. Yes. He's from the Caribbean. <laughs> but uh, Jamaica, I believe. Um, but I was not aware that he was a, a sir. Scott, you won that game. Yeah. Good job, sir. Thank you. Okay. Good job, indeed. Yeah, so that that was that was uh, Fifty Shades of Kingsman. Okay, moving on. Uh, let's get to a little Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week. And we got quite a few. Uh, first one, we have Birdman. Yeah, go see it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the theory of everything. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, my reaction to. <laughs> the tale of Princess Kaguya. Still need to see it. Up for best animated feature. Been oh, that it. one. Okay. Meaning okay. to see it since September. I still haven't seen it. Haven't had a chance. Dumb and Dumber Two. Uh, <laughs> okay. From Scott's reaction, I won't. Go, I won't rush out to see it. That's no, because it's not good. Mm. Uh, the interview, Freedom Edition, on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom Edition. You there would be a crap load of special features on that one. There are, yeah. there is a good number, but unfortunately, the commentary was recorded before the thing happened. Oh, uh, which is, you know, <laughs> preferably you'd like them to talk about the thing that happened. You <laughs> so, think they would have gone? Well, maybe legally they. they I think well. that's more the problem. Yes, legally they can. I maybe in you know in a wonderful world of podcasting, maybe they could actually do something. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I think. That'd be that'd be maybe my most sought after item right there. If I can get a commentary for the interview after the thing that happened, uh, Saint Vincent. Uh, eh. I heard that it was okay. It's okay. Harmless. Life itself. Yeah. Snubbed for snubbed for an Oscar. Um, VHS viral. I need to see that. Good. Not, not as good is as it? two. Okay. Yeah. Two is a clear high point, but it's not. Well. It's 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 better than the first one. Still. Anything that made you turn it off. No, nothing made me turn it off. It's just more the wraparounds are not good. But they're less they're decidedly less rapey and mean spirited than the first movie. So I mean that's, that, that's always good. Yeah, that I like is when things good. are less rapey in general. So yeah, indeed. Um, the Homesman. Awesome. It's all right. I, <laughs> I like, forget who's in there. I like <laughs> it's the Hillary Swank, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh Western. right, yes, yes. And okay. I, I like Hillary. I like Hillary Swank quite a bit in that movie. It's pretty goofy. Directed by one. directed by uh, Tommy, Lee Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. Yeah. Right. See his first movie. See the Three Burials of Melikate as a strut. Uh, Game of Thrones season four, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see, and also uh, coming to Best Buy exclusives for a few weeks until May. Sneakers comes on Blu-ray for the first time. Woo-hoo. Not a huge fan of sneakers. I don't. I don't dislike Woo-hoo. it, but I'm not. A, I, I. I feel like because that they. You know what? 
that's that's a movie that answers the question that Matthew asked actually because I I, I saw the movie because I heard so much about it and I watched it in like the two thousands where everything is dated because it's like the beginning of the internet age yeah and I'm like yeah I I get what the movie it's just a, it's a movie I get that <laughs> has Ben Kingsley in it um and Cindy Poitier there you go right there whoa two sirs, two sirs. and Robert Redford and Robert Redford the you know official unofficial American almost, sir almost an American sir yeah, yeah. and uh, the other one that I was gonna mention Munich um Munich comes out on Blu-ray for the oh. first time this week which best for film? the first time uh, yes on Blu-ray for the first time and yeah, Scott you, you call it his best film I certainly think right. it's a top five Spielberg film easily in my if not top three for me I, I love Munich yeah, I certainly think that it's one that is worthy of discussion yeah. uh, among a- after viewing it. That's a that's a that's a very good movie. So yeah, um, now that was on our presents out now. Um, now we have a new segment because this is a cool question submitted to us about Netflix things that are streaming that we'd recommend. And so I'm titling this segment, Abe. Here it comes. Extremely cool. And I, and, I, and I spelled uh, that extremely. Yeah. Extreme. Yeah, stream in the middle. No, I got you. Extremely. Get it. Cool. E- extre- yeah, Can I no. explain the joke more, though? It, <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> no, helps, right? No, we got it. Okay, no, got so it. Yeah. I feel like Abe and I, I'll do that this week, but we should take turns uh, uh, recommending a movie that's currently available on Netflix that we just think is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, or even just one that you think is worth seeing. And I'm going to recommend Filth. Um, this is the film starring James McAvoy. Um, it's from the writer. It's from, based off a novel from the writer of uh, Train Spotting, and it basically involves James McAvoy as this kind of as a corrupt cop in England who gets into various misadventures involving his corruption and drug use and more. And I I think if you're if you're a fan of James McAvoy, you want to see more of him beyond being Professor X or whatever random movie you might have seen him in. Um, I think this is a very good display of his talents outside of being kind of somewhat mild mannered guy. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's certainly very intense in this movie. And uh, has a lot of has a lot of great uh, supporting actors too in here, but uh, I think it's a, it's on stre- it, for being a movie that's streaming. I think it's worth checking out. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's that. That's extremely cool. Um, extreme. I see it works. Um, <laughs> next week's show. Uh, next week should be interesting. Uh, we're first up. We have the Oscars. I already said we're going to have our Oscar show. So so next week is going to have the kind of follow up to the Oscar prediction bonus episode that we'll be putting out. Um, and I think because there's not like huge movies, the only movie that's got, there's two movies, what is it? Uh, there's Hot Tub Time Machine 2, The Top Tubbing, and, um, McFarland uh, USA. And McFarland USA and The Duff. Um, yes. I don't want to talk about any of these movies for like a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, as much as I might be looking forward to Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Um, but with Time Machines in mind, I want to talk about this movie Predestination. Um, yes. I, it stars Ethan Hawke. I mentioned it last week because it came out on Blu-ray. Um, and DVD and streaming and whatnot. So, Abe, you're going to go see this movie. Um, I'll bring in another guest that will also have seen this movie, and I recommend anyone else... I'm recommending this because it's good, for one thing. That's in my eyes. I think it's very good. And I want us to do a very big spoiler episode about Predestination because it's about time travel and has some very kooky things going on that it's worthy of kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of it because it's always fun. It it feels like we'd have to get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, it's always fun discussing time travel logic, and I think this is going to be a good one to do so, especially going full spoilers. And, I mean, we will have the Oscar results too, so it'll be a hand-in-hand. If you don't see the movie, that's okay. We can still talk about the Oscars as well. So we'll we'll have enough content for everybody. Essentially, unless, just like every one of our shows, everybody wins. There you go. Yeah. And unless I did the math wrong, which is possible, your 200th show will be over July 4th weekend, where you'll be discussing Terminator Genesis and Magic Mike XXL. One, of, the, one, way, of, one of them has a great title. Yeah. <laughs> yes. By the way, in, in addition to Magic Mike XXL having a great title, the poster is really good, too. The guy is pointing at his crotch, and there it says, 
coming like July fourth or whatever. First, well, the the, July the, 1st. the Ted two poster also says coming again. <laughs> Good so old Ted. They're they're really working on those posters out there. All right. So with all that said, wrapping up things here. Uh, what should people go see now, and what do you plan to see next, Scott? What do you recommend people see in theaters right now? Well, if you haven't seen Selma, go see Selma. I love that we're always saying Selma. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. it's I liked, I mean, it's, it's, I like McFarland USA. It comes out next week. It's fine. It's a good, well-written, well-acted drama. Better than Million Dollar ex- Arm? Yes, it is. It really is. Uh, in all seriousness. It doesn't make the mistake of being primarily the white guy story. That's good to know, actually. It, it is the white guy story. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it, it, it does I mean, feel about as much a community coming together. What do you plan to see next, God? Hope well, barring I'm probably gonna if we get a babysitter, my wife wants to see the Duff, so we'll probably end up seeing that like civilians on like Friday or Saturday night. Obviously, Focus. I'm very interested in that. Um, the filmmakers behind that made I Love You, Philip Morris, which I loved. It's a great, as a great well movie. as Crazy Stupid Love, which I hate. Yeah. So this ought to be interesting. <laughs> Split the difference. Yeah, where's that? I, that that's a, that has to be a movie coming out, right? Split the, Split difference. the difference with like Emma yeah. Stone, like shrugging. <laughs> and after that are we pitching got... this yet can we go to hollywood can we knock I on their door gonna, hollywood yeah, yeah. <laughs> mrs hollywood here you've got chappy chappy interesting um okay i've we, seen we, cinderella yeah you got oh, it yeah. all right yeah <laughs> hold your horses and, and there's this avengers film in may that i might see yeah we'll see Maybe. you know Abe, what would you recommend people go see in theaters right now? Like what Scott had recommended, I'd definitely recommend Selma. We also recommended that highly last week. I think it's still one of the better movies that are out right now. But if you don't want to see that, watch Kingsman. Uh, and then coming up, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch Predestination. But in terms of uh, anything else, continuation of Korra. I'm going to see Hot Tub Time Machine 2, The Tubbing, next. And um, I'd recommend any of the foreign films that I know, like a lot. I mean, I'm sorry that not every theater in the country is playing all the foreign films that are up for Academy Awards, but I've seen a good number of them at this point. They're all very, very good. So I'd certainly recommend Leviathan and Timbuktu and Ida. Ida, which is streaming. I mean, there's no reason not to see that. I mean, unless you don't have Netflix, obviously, but I mean, there's... Um, or someone's account. The um, And I'm looking for... I still haven't seen Wild Tales, but I'm looking forward to seeing that. But yeah, the foreign films I'd recommend just because it's cool to see those movies. And yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, Theron, and Abe. So... Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as at ysoblue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me at twitter.com slash aaronsps4. Abe? You can find more from us at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag not my Christian. Scott Mendelson. Uh, I'm at Forbes. Uh, Google the ticket booth or Forbes Scott Mendelson or some combination thereof. My Twitter handle is at Scott Mendelson. Uh, the ticket booth does have a Facebook page. And yes, there is a part of me that still wanted Rory Gilmore to be Anastasia Steele. <laughs> you can find oh, well. you can find all the other episodes of Out Now There and on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show along with other shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which I co-host as well, and the Legion of Dudes. Half hour waste and other fun shows about comics, games, and fun stuff like that. Listen to us over at outnow.podomatic.com as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Email us your thoughts on Kingsman or Fifty Shades of Grey or, of course, your Oscar picks as I just, you know. Uh, contest. Contest that I announced earlier in the episode at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. The judge will win. Yeah. And if you don't want to email us your, your Oscars, just email us who your favorite character on Parks and Rec is. 
You can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our outnowpodcast.tumblr.com page right there, Tumblr. And you can feel free to use the voicemail line, 972-798-3830. There you can leave us an audio message. We might be able to play it on the show and give us you an answer or what have you. So, with all that said, Scott Mendelson, thank you for joining us Thank today. you very much, Scott. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me back. For sure. And I think that's going to do it. So until next week when we time travel back and then come forward again and then go backwards and then forwards, that'll be I'm sense. really excited. I'm really excited. That's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye.